Hey guys, welcome to Redeem Podcast, episode 11. Here we got uh, the last episode that I'm going to be on for sure. No, just kidding. But we'll see. Uh, this is going to be with Mikey. It's going to be interview. Uh, you're going to find out some cool things, you know. I was blessed by it. We're going to hear on how just God has a purpose uh, for all of our lives, especially this man's life next to me. And so here we go. Uh, stay tuned. There's At the end, I finally ask a question. It's like an hour and a half in. But again, Redeem Podcast, episode 11. Here we go. All right. What number is this? This is episode 11. Nice. Cameron Dequietis. Dequilettis. Episode three with... Dequilettis. Dequilettis. There you go. There you go. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> Cameron, would you lead us in prayer? Yeah, for sure. Father, we thank you so much for this day, this opportunity that you've given to us, Father. Um, or just continuing um, this cool work, Lord God, of just looking back, Father, of the things that you've done in each of our lives, Lord God, and I pray that you would uh, bless this time, Lord God, as we do just um, hear from Mikey and see what God, what you've done in his life, Father. Um, so just bless this time, bless this conversation, and just be with us here. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Redeem Podcast, episode 11, featuring our first guest of the entire show, Mike Sanchez. That's true. I was the first ooh, guest ooh, of the entire ooh, show. Ooh. <laughs> It's odd that we'd be doing uh, an interview on me um, at this point because I probably have less to say <laughs> right now than I normally do. Mm. Wow. Why is that? Uh, because I've <laughs> recently... talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I recently uh, had like uh, this interaction with the Lord, dude, that um, I was driving to work and I was listening to... Uh, I was listening to uh, Greg Laurie because he happened to be what was on in the morning. You've probably heard him a few times. Um, mm. Maybe you've heard him. <laughs> yeah. He's not like, he's not like, I mean, nothing. He's not like something I always listen to. He just happened to be on at the time where I was starting. Um, so I was driving in and I was, you know, I try to, I try to like, oh, let me listen to some, you know, Christian radio. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened is I start, I, I felt myself like, Wait, I'm I'm doing this just to like keep Christian radio on in my life. So I was my attention span was like all over the place. I was driving, I was thinking I was running a little late and uh I found out I found that I wasn't really paying attention. Uh even though there were some really good things that were said um that did really stand out to me, but mm. for for the most part I wasn't paying attention. So I'm like, "Well, let me just throw some music on, you know?" And uh, I think I put like some NF on, which I really like. He's a he's a Christian rapper, um, but his uh, his writing tone is very like um, honest about his struggle, kind of honest yeah. about like his the, the the like negative things he struggles with. Yeah, he could be dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. not not like I love NF. Uh -huh. I think he's dope. I think there's a place to relate to him. Um, but I was like, I, I don't I don't really want to go there. Um, so then I started looking for what to listen to and I was like, what? I just turn it off, you know? So I turned it off and I was driving and then I just started like talking to the Lord and not very like official like prayer, just like talking to him. Like if he was sitting in the passenger side and, uh, I was brought to a place that I didn't expect to be brought to which was kind of a place of repentance. 
which is interesting because listening to the Bible study and then listening to music, I didn't feel like there was something I needed to repent for. And, um, but what, what I felt like I needed to repent for as I was talking to him and it wasn't like I was Lord help me with it. I literally, I just felt like I was talking to him was that it had been too long since I did that with him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dang, like, I started tracking in my mind all the times that I've prayed with people and prayed for people and prayed for specific things for people, things that people are asking me to pray for, things that I hope will happen, things that I need him to open the door for. But that's it. Yeah. And I was like, that experience of like, uh, like realization that realization that I haven't just like hung out with the Lord for a long time Mm -hmm. was humbling. And it really kind of broke me. And, and that here's what was crazy about it is it was followed by a realization of all these things that I, I realized need to change in my life. And again, this is nothing like, this is all stuff that would go unnoticed because mm. it isn't like huge things. It's, it's, it's more like a, like a, a drifted motive. Yeah. And I was just, I found myself at a loss of words after that. Like I, I would be, I would be at work and listening to somebody talk and I felt more comfortable being the listener than, um, than just like, like trigger thoughts mm-hmm. in my mind and it's lingered with me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, like I, I, I was, at, you know, it was my birthday. We were up in mammoth and that was, uh, a, a different experience. It was the first time that I was completely separated from the family unit of people that have always been in my birthday. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so like my dad and my brothers weren't anywhere around and, uh, you know, and not, we weren't up there for my birthday. We were up there, for like a vacation and just happened to land on my birthday. And so there was something interesting about that too. It was like, obviously, you know, since I I started out feeling like I was called in my, you know, early twenties and believing that it was like a matter of like years that God would do something huge. And then there came this like, realization that I need to like grow more before God can really use me. So then I dive into what I think would help me grow with him deeper and reading more books. And, you know, I, I went through pastoral school at uh, Calvary Chapel, Golden Springs and, and there then felt like, okay, this is what God needed to do um, to first. Right. So then, but then there was like anticipation of what he would do next and uh, for some reason, this year felt like the back end of my life beginning. And I'm not scared of getting older. I was raised under older parents with older siblings. I've always looked forward to my later years. I just turned 36. And in my mind, I've always thought it would be cool to be like, you know, 40 years old doing ministry mm-hmm. or whatever. But the this was the first year that felt like the back end of my life. It felt like, wow, this is the beginning of the yeah. other end of it. And, um, and I just felt kind of humbled, right? Cause of that conversation I had with the Lord and now I'm out there and, 
Um, you know, you're used to like when you're younger, your birthday parties, like, you know, let's celebrate or whatever. Yeah. This is just kind of like, um, and then following, I went to my dad's house when we got back, I went to my dad's house and my brothers were there and my brother Johnny bought me a cake. And so I was like, Oh, this is the normal Mm-hmm. like thing I know about and they sang happy birthday for me and, and and in moments it felt pretty normal but then still lingering was this sort of like beside myself feeling I was like what is this Lord but I will say that in this I feel closer to him hmm. so um do you feel like your walk throughout the years your devotional life in relationship to the Lord because you're talking about you're driving and all of a sudden you realize man I haven't really had that one-on-one time, just me and God just wrapping it out. Do you feel like that's changed and develop like differently? Does that, is, does it change over the years as you've grown? Devotional life? Is that what you're asking? Does that change? Yeah, I guess more so specifically maybe in that sense of, of what you're referring to right now. Okay. Like the intimate moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the big difference for me is, um, you know, you, you've heard da- Pastor Dale say this, um, in that Christianity is the one, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when it's like the opposite? They're like, when a word means it's both, it's both like a jumbo shrimp, you mm-hmm. know, like the, I don't remember what the word <laughs> oxymoron. is. Uh, kind yeah. of an oxymoron, but there's uh-huh. another word for it. I don't know. But, um, it's the ministry is the one thing where y- you, you decrease, and what God can do increases. Mm. And when you increase in what God's doing, you feel decreased. So that has become more true. And um, so I can recall like learning what humility is and remembering to try to implement it in what God's called me to do. I can remember that feeling clearly like be humble, like like a calculated um mm decision in the way I respond to somebody complimenting something I did for the Lord. And that is far is, is disappearing because it it doesn't like, I feel like less. And so even my conversation with God, it isn't like driving like, Lord, just take me deeper. I want to go deeper with you. Like it isn't that anymore. That's gone. Like me asking God to take, it's more like, dang, realization of how much I need him to be a father or to be a husband, which simultaneously is taking me deeper, but it's not like something I'm like, Lord, give it to me. You know, it's just, it's just like life, like feel more inadequate, right? Like the, the, there's like a cloudiness in my mind because of work. Like I have to, I I don't sleep that much anymore. And, um, a lot of my, uh, social interaction with people is not, is not conversational. It's just like, get this done and people that don't communicate very often. So at mm. times I feel like my, my vocabulary is struggling a little bit cause I, I just don't exercise it. There's not as much finesse in conversation like there once was when I was in my early twenties, I'd spend most of my time listening to people or talking to people. And I find that that happens less now. And so it's odd that when your calling would be to like communicate that you would be in a place where that communication feels like it's decreasing, you know, and, um, devotional life. Um, 
I think a lot of believers are being attacked in their devotional life right now because there's such an obvious big thing on the table that isn't your devotional life, right? Like, like, uh, COVID-19 civil unrest, like the churches being shut down. Like this is all such a mm. big thing on the platter that, that it feels like that's the fight we're in, right? Like yeah. this is what we're up in the, in a, in a time in history, like never before. And, 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 and what will Christians be found doing in this chapter? And everybody is so aware of this big fight that we're in. That's easy to become distracted of maybe still the most important thing that we need to be in. And that is in relationship with Jesus. Right. So, um, the difference to get back to your question, the difference in this chapter in my life is that, you know, intimacy with God is less calculated and less something I'm trying to do. And it's more like a reality because of how much I need him in my life. But the other side is it's easy to, it's easy for me to be blind blinded as to how important my personal relationship with God is because of what's so obviously on the table that we're fighting up against. Yeah. You, you, you know, when you say something that in your mind is black and white, right and wrong, right? Like the, your reactions maybe to civil unrest or your reactions to homosexuality or your reactions to abortion, what normally would be a, a common, like, I'm just saying what I believe to be right now is something that is controversial. Yeah. So since that has become so heightened that that's all that Christians are really looking at right now. And it's easy for the enemy to get us off of our relationship with Jesus, which is, the most important part for us to ever be effective mm. in any situation. Yeah. I think distractions are something I battle with all the time, even distractions in ministry, distractions with doing good works and leaving the relationship with the Lord. And it is that humbling experience when you finally get to that point where you realize like, man, like, you know when it's like sometimes routine, you start to feel it, you start to feel dry, you feel like, man, like I'm, I'm doing this because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. And that's when you, for me personally, it's like, it's, it is humbling to have those mm. heart checks of like, okay, like, and sometimes it comes with like trial. Mm. I think that's the, the quickest yeah. way for me to realize like, I need to be close to the Lord yeah. is like, as soon as like there's that discomfort, that pain yeah. uh, of whatever that, trial is all of a sudden I realized like, man, I need, I need God. I need him every day. Um, I see Mike in, in your life, you've gone through seasons of being in so many ministries. Um, and one of the kind of the change subjects a little bit, yeah, please. But, um, I, I do kind of want to ask what were some of the, maybe we could kind of go back in time. Let's do it. Um, what I'm really interested in and curious about is how you were helping as an assistant pastor okay. at Calvary Chapel Hollywood. Um, some of the really cool lessons that you've kind of learned, maybe even experiences, maybe stories um, that you feel like had impact on what you're doing even today mm. of like why you do what you do today and things like that. Well, I think, one of the things I haven't been able to share with anybody would be um, the big differences in me throughout that process. So I went from, I've known for some time now, does that mean by the way? I think it might be. 
Sorry about that, dude. No, you're good. Sorry about that, people. <laughs> um. So, uh, I, I've, I, be, I believed super strongly that God called me to be a uh, senior pastor, right? That was, and my, my assumption of that came from the gift of, of teaching and understanding um, the scripture in a way that I, I didn't prepare myself to understand to that degree, right? So, I understood that it was definitively a gift and not something that I earned by way of going to the right classes or doing enough studying, right? Mm-hmm. So there was an anointing from God to understand the text, um, coupled together with a talent to communicate with people. And um, the anointing mixed together with the talent gave me the calling, which is the calling to teach the Word of God or be a communicator to people of the things of God. My natural assumption after that was that I'm called to be a pastor. Um, and so I, and there, and I just was sharing with, uh, Stephen Cameron earlier today, as I was at the bookstore getting a new Bible, um, how, uh, you know, the Lord does this really cool thing in that he humbles you. And, um, so I was in this place before where it was like, I believed I was going to do something big for God. And God's humbled me to the point of believing that if there's anything big to be done, it's something he has to do. And he can do that through, through people. But it's not so much you doing something big for God as it is God doing something big through you. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but rewinding back to when I, when I believed I was like called because there was a lot of people around me who, they didn't intend to, but they kind of like puffed me up. All they wanted to do was to just encourage me that God's got a calling in my life. But the way that, and, and this is a good warning for people to really only say what it is that you feel like God's telling you to say, not just what you perceive with your own eyes. Because people were like, dude, God's going to do this huge thing in your life. And so I believed them. Coupled together with the gift that I knew I had. And the assumption that I'm going to be a pastor and then pe- a lot of people telling me that like, dude, God's going to do something huge in your life just sort of became this like, just like waiting game for me. Like, mm-hmm. just like what, like just look, looking at everything in my life, like around the corner, here it comes like any minute, like this is what God called me to do. And so during that chapter, I, I started a Bible study. I learned a valuable lesson when I started a Bible study in a friend's backyard, um, that was my friend Peanut opened up his house, has since re-told me, like, dude, my house is open if ever you want to do it again. Beautiful time I had. Uh, you've even shared that you modeled a lot of what you do after that chapter. Mm-hmm. You were there. Um, but God spoke to me in that chapter that if if I was going to do something, it was gonna I was I needed to make sure that I wasn't going to put other people out as the main people being put out for what I'm doing. In other right. words, like the owner of the house putting himself more out than I'm putting myself out for my calling. Right. Right. So God spoke to me about that. But before I was going to uh, um, step away and start my own thing, I got a call from Pastor um, Greg Torres, who's a pastor. Um, he still teaches at the Bible College, I believe. Um, he's definitely involved in Calvary Chapel Golden Springs. He's somebody I've known a long time. He's known me since I was young in the Lord. 
And he called me up and he's like, Hey, the Lord's really put you on my heart. And so I was like, okay, let me pray about it. And this is where I want to share with you, like the, the changes in, in me as a vessel, not a change of God and his plans. Right. So, um, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to be a senior pastor one day. So this would be a good opportunity for me to learn what it's like to start a church. And I prayed and I was also like, you know, I'd sat under Pastor Dale for a, a long time and watched him. And so I was like, you know what? Another thing is I can't expect somebody to be an assistant pastor for me one day if I don't understand what it's like to be that second, to be that servant, right? So it was another reason for me to do it. Prayed, asked God to give me a peace about it, give power a peace about it. We both felt like we had a peace about it. Um, and so we stepped forward and, and, and did that, stepped in that role. Mm-hmm. I was there a total for four years as assistant pastor. Um, and when I left, I left with the full belief that I was leaving to go start a church as a senior pastor. During the process of me being there, I did learn a lot. I learned a lot um, of the way, how hard ministry is mm-hmm. and how taxing it is and uh, and how what a blessing it is too, dude. Like we, the some of the things we attempted to do that the doors would shut and it wouldn't work and then things that just sort of fell in our laps that we weren't attempting to do, that those things were the things that would excel. God taught me a lot through that. God taught me a lot through... Uh, just staying quiet, even like being there and, and thinking like, maybe we should do this and maybe we should do that. And the Lord just putting in my heart, like I'm doing this, like this is, you know, just serve, just serve. And God taught me a lot in that chapter with that stuff. But when I left, you know, my, my wife, I was really spreading her thin, you know, like one of the things that I believe I would do different, right, is I was attempting to be loyal to be the loyal guy. Mm. So there was nothing going to get in the way of me being the loyal person, the loyal assistant pastor. I've seen what assistant pastor should be, and nobody's going to, and this is where it's wrong. Here's where I went wrong. Nobody's going to look at Mikey and say, that wasn't a loyal dude. And when the way you appear to people becomes a motive to you, it is a slant away from Christ being your motive. Mm. Like, I am going to be a loyal person. And I think a lot of people involved in ministry get fallen into this trap because you know what God told you to do. And so you simply stop seeking the Lord to hear from him because you're still carrying out what he initially told you to do. Mm. And when you're and when you haven't been in touch with the what the Lord is saying, you hang tightly to what He once said, and you aren't always in tune with the maneuvering and molding process of where you're currently at. And during that process, I I, I believe I lost a little sight of being in tune with the voice of God. Yeah, that's like that reminds me of the Jacob story. Um, you have a, a, a man who is given the promise that his older brother will one day serve him. And then as they're growing, he steals his birthright from his older brother over a, a porridge of stew. Mm-hmm. 
And then when it's time for their father, Isaac, to give them that blessing, Rebecca, the mom, Jacob, the son, devise this plot to steal the inheritance of the father, the blessing from the father. I just taught on this. That's why it's like fresh in my yeah, mind. Please, yeah. And what I see is like, there's times in our life when we are, we're sacrificing righteousness, what's good to get an immediate pleasure and an immediate goal mm. when the motives are just far from what God has. And then there's the other side of it where if this is what God's placed in your life, like a calling, sometimes we think, okay, if that's the goal, then what do I need to do to get there? And you get so excited and maybe it's almost sometimes naively innocent sometimes for mm. us where we're just so excited about trying to reach that goal mm. that we will go over hoops and hurdles and strive in our flesh, meaning we're operating with selfish natures. We're not following what the Lord is calling us to mm. in order to achieve that goal. And I was just talking with my buddy William the other day and he was like, you know what? So after we taught him that, he was like, I feel like with God sometimes, like, I don't have to try as hard. Like, in a sense of like, I just, God's going to bring me to that place. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, like, absolutely. I was like, for sure there's like balance in what we're doing. But I was like super encouraged to hear that people are learning that lesson. Yeah, and you know, there's one thing too, like, about the favor of God in, in a life that is doing their best for God, for him. You know, most of the mistakes that I'm sharing that I, I made that I'm sharing about, cause I made mistakes that were just all me, like my wrong. Right. But this, what I'm sharing with you is it comes down to a young man doing the best he can for God and just immaturity. Mm. It, it, it never was like, like rebellion or like, I mean, you're talking about fighting to deny temptation and keep my eyes focused and be loyal. But I'm not sure that there's any way I could have approached that differently because I wasn't mature then. I didn't learn the things that God taught me through that process. And so I was giving the Lord everything I had. And I, I hope to encourage anybody listening with that because I think sometimes we, we herald for ourselves men who who are awesome at what they do and we begin to look at them as like the example of how you need to do it mm. but that man became that man by the hand of god he didn't become that man because he was looking at somebody do it right, right? and so you need to let god you need to be in relationship with god to such a degree that you let god have that molding process in your life and you just ask him that wherever mistakes you make along the way that you don't damage his name and his word and, and who he is and the representation of him that you don't damage any of that stuff and that you don't give a bad name to Christianity mm. or to Christ or what it means to be a Christian. And I, I can say that I believe at least that none of that took place in, in, in the process, but there was Im- nonetheless, there was immaturity in a lot of things that I did because I was young and I, and I was giving the Lord all I had, but there was, I was still yet to learn the lessons I was learning. And I want to just finish real quick that the, 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 the different changes, right? So yeah. when I left Hollywood, I um, I assumed like it was my time to go and start and become a pastor and like open up a church from there. And there were doors that seemed to be flying open from people saying like, dude, 
this pastor recently passed away at this school and all the people at this school um, feel like they've been praying for God to bring a pastor and like the doors open for you to fill this role. Um, went and met principals and families and shook hands and it was like, dude, starting next Friday, like we'll start a study and everybody was on board and doors closed with that. Um, uh, friends opening up their homes and saying, dude, like uh, I want to start something here um let's start it and going and then doors closing there and then i got to this place that satan loves to push people in which is where you begin to wonder if you're really hearing god Mm. like am i going a little left when i should have went right and i believe at this point where i'm at that satan loves to make people feel like they need to calculate the right the correct left or the correct right. Because at that point, I began to wonder if I was wrong. Like if I was not in the perfect will of God, why would I go to be an assistant pastor and then leave under the terms that I'm going to become a senior pastor. And then those doors completely close. And now all I did was just leave the role, leave the position of an assistant pastor vacant. And then shortly after when COVID came and hit, then Calvary Chapel Hollywood closes down and now all of a sudden I'm no I'm no longer like that's not my home church and the church that I left to go start that movement or that that you know church is no longer the place that I'm calling home except for online because of COVID and and I'm just sitting there with no ministry and just working and asking God if I made a wrong turn somewhere. Should I have not went to Hollywood in the first place? Should I have stayed at Hollywood to the to the very end of that and saw it out? Um, and all those questions. And then all of a sudden, the still small voice, dude, that remind, God spoke to me through, you know, and then there was a great fire and there was a great earthquake, you know, and there was a great, mm-hmm. you know, and um, but but the still small voice. Because what the Lord said to me, what he, what he ministered to me, not audibly voice, but what he, what he revealed to me, first was just, I anointed you. I never told you, like, you're going to go and do this. Those are what people told you. Told you. It was like, that was kind of scary, almost like, have I been wrong all this time? And the Lord's like, no. It's just that you're mine. And your anointing is from me. And therefore, it's whatever I'm going to do with your life. And it was just like, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders in that. But God brought me to a place through that and through working, through the the anguish of like pushing my body to the limits with work, like construction and my feet blistered and hurting and people cussing at me because in the construction world, you, they don't, a boss doesn't get in trouble for saying, listen here, you mother effer, you yeah. know? And, um, and so people screaming at me like that or calling me names or, you know, telling me that I'm worthless or yelling at me, um, in the rain, knee deep in the mud, you know, and just looking up and saying, you know, I remember one time it was raining. And so I'd had no reason to have to hide tears. And I remember just looking up being knee deep in some mud and it was outdoors and it was raining and I was just looking up and like tears were running out of my eyes. And I was just like, what, what has your servant been reduced to? Like I'm teaching nobody. The people that I've tried to teach, like a lot of them are struggling in their walk. Like 
I'm here and men who love pornography and love alcohol and love strip clubs are cussing at me and yelling at me and I'm not as good at this job as the man to the right of me or to the left of me what has your servant been reduced to like if I I remember saying this specifically I was like Lord if if I did something that offended you that I'm unaware of I'm sorry and um but the Lord he he comforted me he comforted me in that chapter in that he cut away all of the things that I was assuming were his voice and he brought me back to a place where where I was remembering what was actually his voice and that was was an anointing and a calling and a relationship with him and the promise that he was going to use my life and so I I, I want to sum that original question sorry for getting so <laughs> no, lengthy I want to sum that up by saying the, 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 the thing I would encourage any person in is to position yourself to where you can stand confidently that you're in the will of God. Mm. And the reason why that's so important is because then you're able to not just accept, but love what God is doing in your life mm. to, to love the process, the molding process that he's taking in your life and where you are. If you're a Christian and you want to know, are, are you in the will of God? you are in the will of God. Mm. And, and if there's something that you're allowing in your life as far as sin or rebellion against God, repent of that and you will be assured that you're in the will of God. Mm. Because even if you think that you've made mistakes that have taken you outside of the will of God, the, 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 the Bible teaches us that he works all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so all you got to do is repent and say, you know what, God, if, if there's something in my life that I've been rebelling in or that I've been doing wrong, forgive me. And you can be assured in that moment that you are in the will of God, that that struggle, whatever you're in, like as far as tears in your eyes, knee deep in mud, you know, your scenario, though, um, you, you will see that that is the hand of God. And so now I look back at Hollywood and don't ask, did I go right when I should have went left? I look back at leaving Hollywood and don't ask, did, did I, should I have gone right or gone? did I go left? Did I make the wrong choice? I look at um, doors that close and, and I'm not fearful that maybe somebody wasn't obeying God. You know, that's another thing Christians struggle with. Like, well, I'm being obedient, but what if the other person isn't doing their part, you know, and they bring up these examples in scripture where somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do or, and it's just like, you know what, dude, if, if you repent and you belong to the Lord, you're in the will of God. Mm. And that, here's the interesting part, that mindset, that position is, is the most proper place you can be to be used by God anyways. Mm. That position of just like, I, I just belong to the Lord. And the, and the answer for anything that God asks of me is yes. The answer is yes to anything that God asks of me. You get promoted at work, you get your your job gets shut down, you know, you find out that somebody's sick or ill or cancer shows up in your life or somebody's life that you love or 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 doors or you, you the finally getting the thing that you thought was going to make you happy and you're not feeling happy in the middle of that whatever it is that's in your life if you can just look at God and say, "You know what, Lord? I trust you." And and anything you're asking me to do, the answer is yes. Yeah. Dude then you are not going to be laid by the wayside by the, the one who loves you more than anybody else loves you. So right now, 
<laughs> that looks like being faithful to my family, being faithful to the young men that God's brought into my life, to whatever it is that I put my hands to, to give it 100%. So I'll be 100% at work, to be 100% in music, to be 100% in conversation, to be 100% as an in-law, to be 100% as a son, and and any in a hundred percent in a podcast, you know, yeah. like that's just that's the best. That's what I, that's where I'm at, you know. Right on, that's cool, man. One of the things that you bring up is the mistakes, um, and one of the things I love about the Bible is when you read about these guys who are the heroes of faith. They were guys who made bunches of bunches of mistakes like we, we see like we think of them sometimes as like man like you think of like abraham as the man of faith but then you read like man this guy was like <laughs> a, a terrible he was He's a liar it, yeah. he was like right. uh trying to do things in his flesh same with all you could go david yeah so many, anybody, so yeah. many. Mm-hmm. and what you realize is god doesn't use this like squeaky clean people to get his will done. Like sometimes we look at the instrument even of ourselves and just think, man, like we're just so focused on us rather than on God living in us. And yeah, there's that balance of being able to look in the mirror and being able to Mm. repent and correct yourself. Right. But also understanding that God can use regular people. You know, I want to say something about that. Um, First, two things. First, uh, a reason why God doesn't use people based on their performance is because then the focus becomes on the vessel. Hmm. Um, But the other side of that is the story that God uses sinners is not a, a gift given for us to feel... Oh, yeah. because we're Licensed because we make mistakes. No, yeah. well, not just that, yeah. but like, oh, it's okay that I messed up. We're all the 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 focus of all of this is that it's what God's doing. If He uses men who are squeaky clean, then people will say, "If you're squeaky clean, God will use you." Mm. If He uses, if if He if He glorifies the fact that sinners can be used in a mighty way, you're still looking at the the vessel. That's not the story either. Mm-hmm. The answer is that God is amazing and is working because he love in people's lives because he loves them and because he loves the ones that he's working towards through some of them. Mm-hmm. But it's always going to be because of how awesome and loving God is. It's never going to be because somebody was squeaky clean or, you know, when the scripture says his strength is made perfect in our weakness, the emphasis is him and his strength, not us and our weakness. The emphasis is that God is so great that he can use even a flawed person. But that, does, that isn't the emphasis that, hey, I'm, because I'm flawed, that's why God's using me. Mm. Right? So it's important, I think, for Christians to get their eyes off of that perspective and see that it, it's the goodness of God. Like, you know, have you ever seen a, some, a person? I, I watched Nick one time. He, he shout out Nick. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, we had a receipt put on the table in front of us. And you know, if you scratch a receipt, you leave a black line on it. I don't know if you noticed that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? And I'll never forget, we were just talking. He's looking at me. And while he's looking at me, he's kind of just scratching this receipt, right? And he's just using his nail. And, he's scr- and, he, and he, ended up, he ends up doing this little portrait on this receipt. 
you know, writing side up, like, mm-hmm. but this little portrait, awesome little portrait. And what that is, is not a testament to how awesome drawings on paper, on receipt paper are. Mm-hmm. It isn't a testament how good the nail works as a, as a paintbrush or how good the, the carbon paper works as ink. Mm-hmm. It's a testament to the artist. Mm-hmm. It's just like, dude, this dude's so good that he didn't need paint, the proper paint and the paintbrush and the proper thing. Of course, when he has those things, he does a great, amazing thing. And I think the story is the same for God's vessels. That's why God wants us to be holy. Mm. He desires for us to be holy. But the emphasis is that his strength is made perfect in our weakness because even through the non-holy, he is that amazing of an artist. And just like the example of Nick painting an amazing little portrait on a, on a receipt, which makes me realize the artist is amazing. But nonetheless, you don't see, you don't see Nick going and buying receipts in bulk so that he can make all these receipt paintings. Mm-hmm. He is still buying canvas and paint and the encouragement from that is for christians to be canvas be paint like repent don't live a life of sin Mm -hmm. but don't get so focused on the fact that you're doing a good job which is why god's using you have you ever seen a pastor in anger rebuking people because he senses that they are not they are not right Mm. and now if his anger is holy because god he wants people to realize that sin is destroying them that's okay but if he's frustrated because these people just don't, can't get it right, well, then, then I, like in my own case, like if I started, I remember visiting, man, I'm so talkative. I thought I wasn't going to be talkative. <laughs> You're good. I visited my brother during the time that I was trying to start a church. And there was, uh, you know, my dad's house. My dad has a bar. There's alcohol in the fridge, you know, and everybody's there watching football. And I go over there and all I wanted was a Coke. You know, I felt like drinking a Coca-Cola. And I open up the fridge, there's a box in there of Coca-Colas. And I reach and grab the box, and the box is empty. And at the bottom is a stack of beer. And up there is, like, some bottles of alcohol. And I turned around, dude, and my brother's like, hey, what's up, dude? And I'm like, dude, this whole house, if I wanted to get drunk right now, no problem, bro. Anywhere I look, I can go and pick up a bottle of alcohol. But I can't get one soda, and you you guys leave the box in here. And I was mad bro yeah. i was so mad because i just felt like these were people who are christians my dad prayed with me when i was young like look at this house like a poor representation of who Je- but wrath bro yeah anger and mad at them because of what they're not doing mm. and do the lord rebuke me so hard bro like so hard spanked me dude like i would i drove home after that day and all i could see was every flaw in me dude like the lord is just like pasting them on my vision like Mm. everything that's wrong with me and he's like you think you think you're holy in comparison to them is that what happened here is like is that somehow in your mind you were you were so so much closer to me than them that you you didn't see that you would you like me to Mm. to start reminding you of all of this stuff Mm. you know and bro it was just like so humbling and what had happened was i struck the rock dude i had misrepresented the lord in that scenario in my own uh, anger and frustration. And so, um, gosh, that was lengthy, huh? Uh, that was an example of, um, not the vessel, not about the vessel. Yeah. Not both holy and not both excuse because you're not holy. Like it's about the artist. Yeah. You know, I've, I've failed in that before too. I, I mean, I, I think it's to a point everyone, we can, 
have zeal without knowledge or especially young Christians. I, I always caution them because I, when I was a young Christian, um, I remember being pretty hard on my, some of my fam- family members and just being like almost wanting to prove to people that they weren't godly. And I remember specifically one time um, confronting my sister and um, because her and my mom got into an argument, I decided I wanted to prove to her how unchristian it was for her and how she was just so far from God. And I remember afterwards, like, and I was yelling at her. I was like, when's the last time you read your Bible? When's the last time? <laughs> like, it's just such so, a bad look. So huh? angry. And I remember afterwards, just like, after that moment had passed, feeling like, I don't think that's what God wanted me to do. And then just as time went on, when I would look back, I was like, man, like we can like be brutal in our, our righteousness at times. And that's something I think is just like, there's so much grace. Like if we look at what other people are doing sometimes and we get so angry, so judgmental, mm. and then we look at how often God's just gracious in our lives. It's like, dude, who am I? Hmm. You know, who am I? Um, this is a interview of Mike Sanchez. I know we can go back and forth, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're uh, gonna. I'm gonna dive into. Uh, yeah, ask me anything too. Like I know there's some stuff we've talked about. And you're uh-huh. like, I'm gonna ask you about that online. I mean, I'm on the podcast. Go for it. You know. Um. Just what I am more curious about too is, um. I guess you're you're. Because I, I don't know you from before when I started hanging around the church. And I'm quite curious about your early days as a Christian. Was Golden Springs your first kind of church that you started to hang around? And who was pouring into you? And what was that early Mike Sanchez like? You know, uh, Golden Springs is the first like um, facility with like pastors and stuff that poured into me. Mm-hmm. But my Christianity starts like really young, you know, like my mom got cancer when I was seven years old and um, she in fear went, we were all Catholics and in fear went to the closest church that she could find that was open. And the Catholic mentality for any of you Catholics or you'll know for certain or if you're raised around that is that sort of like that's the house of God, meaning like that's where God lives. Like you go visit God like mm-hmm. a church. And so um, my mom got some bad news from a doctor waiting for that phone call. And when she picked it up, I could still remember the look on her face and, you know, just wanted to go to visit God, wanted to go talk to God. I think her heart, even as a Catholic then, was very in tune with her love for God, love for Jesus. Um, later on, she would become a born again Christian. But at that point, she trusted. She was like a she was like a Gentile who who grabs at the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. like she was. She believed in him. She believed in Jesus, and so she went to the closest church she could go to. We walked at the end of my block, across the street. There's a little church there. Doors were closed. Turn right. Turn right again. Next closest church was on uh, Puente. There was an old Safeway market that they had turned into a Christian church. This is like circa 91, something mm-hmm. like that. The church that she walked into was Calvary Chapel, West Covina. 
which would later become Calvary Chapel Golden Springs. Pastor Raul was teaching. She had me by the hand. She was with her sister. We walked into the church so my mom could talk to God. Pastor Raul is giving an altar call. We're sitting in what was then like a foyer area, sitting in the back. It was God talking to me. I was seven years old, but I understood that the King of Kings knew who I was, had a plan for my life. And if I chose to give him my life, that I would see his plan unfolded in my life. Like that was the overall message. Did an altar call with no hesitation, stood up. My, my aunt, my tia was like, no, we don't. This is, this is clearly something different than what we do. <laughs> yeah. She's Catholic. Uh, yeah. Catholic bro. Uh, and, uh, my mom was like, let him, you know, she was just in this place again in tune with her love for Jesus, you know, and just like seeing that this was, this was about Jesus. This was about God. She said, don't stop. Let him. And I went forward. I'll never forget. I can still remember that walk. I'm seven years old. I can still remember those ushers opening that door, walking all the way to the front. I can remember what that pulpit looked like. I can remember what that place smelled like. I can remember what Pastor Raul's voice sounded like. I didn't know him at all. Um, said a sinner's prayer. They sent me out to the side. I went out to the side. I didn't know anything else. I'd never seen people like, oh, it's an option not to go to the side. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I just followed what was said. There was an old man who wanted to assure that I knew what I was doing. Squatted down. I'm trying to give you the fast version of this. Squatted down, looked me in the eye, said, can you tell me why you came over here? The first thing he said was, did your mom ask you to come up here? Super wise question, wow. you know. Um, and I said, no. And he, uh, he said, did anybody encourage you to come over here? And I was like, that, that pastor... He just, he told me that the king of all the kings knows who I am as a plan for my life. You know, I was seven years old, just looking, and I'll never forget this old man. God bless that guy, bro. Like, I never found out what his name was. Naomi, uh, Pastor Raul's mother-in-law, I had a deep conversation with her um, probably like 20 years later. She knew who he was by mm. name. Shame on me for not knowing. She knew his name. She knew who he was. Uh but I, I don't know anybody else who knows who he is. Yeah. I've talked to other people, Scott, and like, oh, I think that was. And Scott was like, I think I know who that was. But she knew who he was by name, mm -hmm. you know. And he uh, he squatted down face to face with me. And he was when I told him, dude, yeah, he, he told me that. If, you know, the king of all kings knows who I, I am. has had a plan for my life since before I was born. And I gave my, if I gave my life to him that um, I, I, I could, you know, he would use my life. And do this older man do just tears. It's crazy, bro. Mm. He's just looking at me. He prayed with me. He gave me a Bible. Um, so what happened? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to my young Christianity. What happens next? Mom, her, her health declines. There's no church culture in our home. There's no church family. There's none of that stuff. I had a brother, George. My brother, George, was already saved by that point, but he didn't live with us. He, he had his own family, and he was struggling in his own walk, right? But he was a Christian. Um, and so at any question, he, 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 throughout my life, would pray for me, though. He would pull me aside. He would lay his hands on me, and he would pray for me and pray with me. Um, so there were Christians that God had put in my life, but I didn't have church family, church culture. I didn't start going to church after that. And all that happened was this sort of gaping, like, the, this unhappiness with sin. Like I got trapped into every other sin that every other person did. Pornography, fornication, alcoholism, violence. Violence was a big one because of bitterness, because uh, like of my mom being sick and being at school and kids saying things like, oh, your mom, you know, naive kids don't know, dude. But 
I just just rage. I remember I remember dealing with rage as a as a young little kid, and so violence crept into my life and. Um, the idolizing of violence because my dad was a Marine and my dad was a tough guy. And I watched my dad, you know, be a tough guy throughout Mm -hmm. my life and punch it out with people. And so, um, and heard the stories of him beating everybody up and stuff. And so, uh, I idolized tough guyness, you know? And so that was another part of why violence was in my life and lust and all those things. But I was super, I was more unhappy than the person to the left or the right of me joining in. And so um, I grew up in a Latino neighborhood, like a lot of gang activity, a lot of like neighborhood, full neighborhood stuff, gang stuff. So I was real familiar with that stuff and uh, got super depressed and I just became suicidal because I, I didn't understand why when my friends were getting drunk, they were happy. When my friends were, you know, hooking up with girls, they were happy. Like I, I, dude, I couldn't find out what it was I was missing. I became bulimic, completely destroyed my teeth. I don't know if anybody, know, you know what bulimic is. Is that where you're, you're purging yourself? Yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I, I was like a fat kid growing up, super self-conscious. And I and I noticed that girls would give attention to guys that weren't. And guys, any other fat kid in the room, like nobody cared. And so I saw a documentary, sad. I think this documentary was intending to like show people what's wrong, but it just taught me. Like, that's how you do <laughs> like oh, that's how people get skinny super fast, huh? <laughs> And I started doing that, which is a rare thing for you to see in a young man, particularly a young man full of pride with violence and that kind of stuff. Um, I became bulimic for like 15 years. What? Yeah, and completely jacked up my teeth um, because the stomach acids destroy your teeth. Um, And uh, yeah, it it was... which led to even more depression because uh, I had this thing to hide that nobody knew about. I felt like a front, like right here I am, like violence and trying to be a tough guy. I bought a, you know, driving a muscle car. I, I carried a, a gun, a revolver, a forty-five from when I was young. You know, I'd keep it in my car, and because uh, I just wanted to fully be that. I wanted to be fearless, and that even if I was afraid that I, I would get beat up by somebody, I knew if I had what I considered an equalizer, then I couldn't Mm -hmm. lose. I couldn't lose, you know? And, um, but I had this thing I was hiding. I was a self-conscious kid who without bulimia was going to still be just some fat kid who nobody's paying attention to, but I lost so much weight. I went down to like 160 from like 220 pounds to like 155, 160 dyed my hair black dude all of a sudden got all this attention from all these girls and it was sad that that was true the thing that i thought was true turned out to be true Mm -hmm. they got like a lot more attention instantaneously um never exercised any self-discipline because obviously i was taking the fast track to achieve anything just let me super depressed bro couldn't understand why i wasn't having fun like everybody else was i believe the reason why was because there was a little seed planted about jesus in my heart so sin was not going to taste as good as it did to everybody else. Mm. And I couldn't figure out what it was. So I was going to kill myself, dude. I was going to, you know, take the revolver and blow my brains out. And uh, I remember sitting there. I was 18 years old. And, I, and he, this is all just testament to things that, you know, Christian parents worry about. And I'm not one who who is super like, oh, don't let your kids see anything bad but i'll tell you what dude i, I had an m&m cd 
And if you opened up that CD, pulled the CD out, right behind the CD space where the disc would snap in, there was a picture of Eminem with a 45 in his mouth. Mm. And I remember that image was just like, like, I'm you. Like, that's the way I feel. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at that. I used to have a, in my room, I would listen to a lot of rap. And I, I, was, I had a, bulb, a red light bulb that was unscrewed, but it was in there. And whenever I was just like super deep into like listening to like music, I would unscrew all the other light bulbs and just screw in just the red one. I'll just sit there in my room, just like music blaring, dude. And, yep. um, and I remember one night when I was looking at that picture, dude, I opened up the CD case. I was looking at it, dude. And I had the 45 and I remember I went and walked up to a mirror and I put that 45 in my mouth. And at first I was just looking at myself like, like, yeah, like that's me. Like I'm like that too, you know, like kind of crazy or whatever. And, and when I put the 45 in my mouth, like, like a, like a wave of, uh, like temptation, I'll call it almost to just like squeeze the trigger kind of just fell over me in that moment. And, uh, and at that moment I remembered simultaneously verbatim the altar call that I heard when I was seven years old, mm. like heard it in my mind, hadn't thought about it for the last at least 10 years. And I heard it like verbatim like like i mean word for word everything that pastor rawl said right before i squeezed that trigger and uh i knew that god was saving me dude i knew that that was supernatural i'm not i since have not been i'm not super big on like trying to make search for the supernatural stuff i just know that god intervened i, I wouldn't expect that god oh god's gonna do that for a lot of people i don't share that very often even um but he intervened, dude, and stopped me that day. And I, in that moment, I, I remember looking in the mirror and just saying, you, you killed yourself at this point in your life. That's what Mikey did with his own life. So let's see what God could do in my life from here. Mm. And I, I told him, I remember, dude, tears were just running out of my eyes. And I was looking at myself in the mirror. And I just told God, I was like, you know what, God? Like, um, let's see what you could do in my life. I don't care what it is. I'll go anywhere. Obviously, you know I'm not afraid to die, so I'll go anywhere. Um, and my brother Johnny had started going to a young adult study at Golden Springs. Hmm. And he's like, dude, that's the same. This church is the same church, bro, that was up the street. It's over here now. I'm like, nah, really? Yeah, dude, the same. it's the same church that we went to when we were a kid when mom got sick. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, really? You go there? He's like, yeah, I've been telling you. And he had about like a young adults ministry that was going on there with a guy named Merritt Robinson, black guy, super good friend of mine. How, how old are you at this point? Um, I'm 18. Oof. I'm 18 years 18 old. 18 and you're having a gun. Oh yeah, yeah bro. Dude. Yeah. It started when I was 16. I got blasted tattoos on the back of my arms when I was 16. Cause I wanted to be just tough. I had this hidden thing about bulimia, which followed me by the way into my Christianity until years later. Um, just because I was, I knew what would happen if I stopped doing it, that I would put on weight and I'd become self-conscious again. And so anyways, yeah, I, I, uh, I start going to that church to the young adults. I go to the, I, then I started going to Sunday morning service. 
my brother Johnny was like, dude, hey, have you ever gone to all three? You know they have three services? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you ever gone to all three of them? I'm like, nah. He's like, it's pretty crazy, dude. <laughs> that is crazy. Like, so we started, doing, we started doing it, bro. We, uh-huh. we didn't. It was crazy, dude, because that's a kind of a testament, right? Because later on when you're a Christian, you're sitting in service, and you're just like, you can't imagine if you were going to sit through all three of them. <laughs> but, dude, we were young. We weren't, we, 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 we weren't bored. Uh-huh. We weren't like, oh, this is dude. Me and my brother were sitting through three services in the morning, dude. <laughs> mm. And sometimes, in our naiveness, we'd go to like two altar calls, like of those <laughs> services, you know, like because uh, we were struggling. We were both struggling with pornography in our lives and alcohol, and you know. But we would hear the message, and our hearts would break. And that's what, like I'm saying this to Christians right now, though, because. You know, you're looking at people and you're thinking, oh, this person's a fake, you know, they're, they're over here, but what are they doing the weekend? Like, dude, I was, I wanted Christ. I wanted him, dude. I was just, didn't know, like, I didn't have, I, I would cry all the time in services, dude, just looking and listening and just being like, you're going to, you know, you're going to help me this week. I'm going to make it this week. And mm. the one thing I was always a slave to, dude, was, was fornication, dude. Mm. I, I, you know, I just felt like I would always I would always fall. Like, I thought I would never be able to be like, no, I'm not going to do that, you know? And, um, but dude, I, I, it was Merritt first, the young adults pastor who loved me, dude. And the first thing he said is like, God, you know, God knows you and he just wants to hear from you and he wants you to hear from him. Hmm. Dude, that, that little statement, dude, changed. It started the way I pray. I prayed years later i would get a chance to teach the young adults ministry when wade was already taking over it and 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 it's funny because wade's married to lauren and lauren wade couldn't be there that night but lauren introduced me and the first thing she did when she introduced me she's like you know this next guy the first time i met him he was at a young adults ministry and the thing that stands out to me she shared this was the way he prayed and she told them the story of when i went in there after that conversation i had with Merritt. And the first thing I said, I'll never forget this. I'm in the young adults and we're doing like, you know, when you pray like in a circle mm-hmm. and everybody's praying. And when it came to my turn, I was like, hey, God, it's me, Mikey. And Merritt years later would laugh about that. Like, dude, that, I'll never forget that, bro. Like, like to me, he's he, to him that felt so real mm. that somebody was like that real with God. And, you know, I think I heard my brother Johnny say that before I even said it um, when it was just me and him. And I felt like that. I felt like I was just talking to God because of what Merritt had said. And it left an impression on Lauren. She she said that when she introduced me years later to come up and speak. And so I was at that place where I was introduced to this relationship with God. For two years, I would be a slave to to sin. And, and, and by then, I would get to know pastor's names. I would get to know um, Pastor Dale. Started going to the men's study. Probably one of the greatest things I ever did. Started going to men's study listen to him teach that was like a completely different level he's actually his style of teaching and the way he taught through the text and the way he taught men actually led me to want to to be desperate to make changes to be mm-hmm. like i'm not just in the grace of god that he loves me in the middle of all this like something needs to change you know went into his office and was like hey you said your door was open because he said, you know, Dale will go yeah. like he'll go off one day on a study and he'll say stuff that he has to live with later because like my door is open. You ever want to come in? My door's right there. Well, I heard that and I was like, all right, where where your Where's door's the right? Door? Where? Where's that door? You know. <laughs> and so I went through his doorway, dude. I I walked in one day. I didn't go to the front desk or nothing. He told me where the door was. I walked in through that door into his office, not knowing anything. Um, and was like, hey, I need to talk to you. And he was just like, 
all right. And then I was like, you know, like I, I've been coming to church for two years. I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven years old. Just kind of blasted through that same story I just said. But I was a double-minded man. So even my speech to him was like, you know, I, I just kind of feel like, you know, I, I, I like I want what God has for me, but I'm I'm a slave, you know. And, I, and he's looking at <laughs> classic Dale, mm-hmm. dude. He's looking at me, and he's like. <laughs> he like stop he like stops me like stops me from like talking and he's like what'd you say your name was i'm like mike he's like let me pray for you mike you know and he he brings me over to him and this is a monumental moment in my walk dude uh puts his hand on my shoulder he says Have you ever asked for the, the holy spirit and i'm just looking so simple dude dale style and i'm looking at him I'm like, no. He's like, let's pray, you know. He's like, Lord, you know, I pray that you help Mike with his struggles, you know. So simple, dude. Help Mike with his struggles. Help him with um, these things that he feels like he can't get away from. He's a slave. And that you teach us, Lord, that we're no longer slaves, you know. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to fall upon him. And I pray for you to give him gifts of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' name, amen finish up had nothing to say he's like all right all right and slaps me on the back <laughs> get out there <laughs> Sends me all away. went home opened up the bible i read the whole book of john mm. and nice. ne- i'll never forget i felt like i was watching i felt like i was watching a movie I'm like watching this movie first time i ever felt like that before it was like thou shalt probably because i had an old king james <laughs> but now i didn't <laughs> and uh and I was just watching this story. Felt like I was watching it, like a movie, a story of Jesus. And uh, I never had comprehension reading, not through school, elementary school, none of that stuff. So I read the whole entire book of John, and then I just didn't stop. And it was like only like a few months. I I went through every single book in the New Testament. And I was going to men's study, going to young adults study, and. That was the starting point of victory. The next time my uh, ex-girlfriend came knocking at my window, um, I just crouched down on the side of my bed and just didn't respond. Just cried. Yeah, I just, I oh, did. I was joking. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. I grabbed the Bible oh, and I dude. just kept, I just started asking God not That's to terrible. leave. I was like, <laughs> I was like, don't leave, you know, just don't leave. And like, I just didn't mm. respond and. I sat there and I remember the next thing I did was I laid sideways on the floor, not even on my bed. And I was just closing my eyes and crying. And I was just like, just stay. Mm. I just kept asking him, just, just stay like, you know, and he, he has, you know, he stayed ever since. And, um, years later I would, I would run across Dave and Zunza who would be more of a, a, a refiner for pride. Something I didn't realize was in my life in the midst of all that. And, uh, he really spent a lot of time with me, Randy, Randy taking me surfing, um, you know, got Rawls old board, got to go surfing. I never was a surfer. I never, if you, t- I was, I'll say it right to raw, like I'll, I'll pose it right here, bro. I, <laughs> I just was wanting to be down for anything, like anything that God was bringing. I wasn't a surfer, dude. I wasn't. I, I loved being anywhere that God was letting me be. But I, I'm not a surfer. You experienced it. Yeah, yeah. And God ministered to me, dude, in that time. That's where I met John Randall. I met John Randall. He was just, like, starting a ministry. And uh, 
remember talking to him. I remember watching, sitting there like a fly on the wall in a conversation between him and Raw. <laughs> Super dope. I was wow. like eating a, <laughs> eating a burrito, watching them talk. This epic conversation. Um, uh, part of that story too is when I told God, like, hey, dude, let's see what you can do in my life. Doors flew open, paid for me to go to Africa and Colombia and Israel. Mm. Um, in Africa, it was we had the super dangerous. We had to sleep in this little cage with a like iron door, like in a house, but then a separate little place where the rooms are, where you close like a prison door. And at night, while we were in there, people would come into the house, like try to see what they could ravage and take. And we were just sleeping behind the cage, you know. And <laughs> it was wild, dude. There, there, we went to this little market place, kind of like a swap meet, which is where everybody buys and sells and trades. And I remember this burnt mark on the floor. And I'm like, what happened here? And they're like, oh, somebody stole, you know. They doused them in gasoline, wow. lit them on fire, and just burned them to death what right the there. Heck? And, um, I went to the, I was the first white skin that a little baby had seen. We went deep into the tribes, into like a, huts and one of my favorite stories is this little baby comes running out playing from in a mud hut just comes running around the corner and she sees me and she stops and just starts backing up <laughs> and i'm looking and i'm like hey like you know check you know we are the little uh -huh. kids or whatever hey and she just screamed dude just <laughs> tears screamed and turned around and ran and i was like what and all the african dudes around me are laughing they're just like La, laughing laughing i'm like what just happened but first of all why are you laughing over what just happened so and what crying. what did just happen you know mm -hmm. and i'll never forget dude one of the one of the guys leaned in because they have no concept of personal space he leaned in right here and he was just like you are the first white skin she has ever seen <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, dang, really? And one guy, I'll never forget, he leans in towards me and he grabs my my beard, which is socially yeah, awkward, for right? Sure. For Especially for too him. Close. I'm too American. I think sometimes it was like my space, like you guys are already close I mean, that's enough. not even awkward. That's kind of disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost intimate. You know what I mean? It was just, uh -huh. he's leaned in and he has me by the beard and he's like, does everyone in your tribe have this? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, we don't really have truck. And then I stopped and I thought about my brothers and I thought yeah. about my dad and I squinted and it's I looked like, at actually, Yeah, yeah, they do. Actually, everybody <laughs> in my tribe does have this, to be honest with you. And I wasn't officially part of my tribe until I grew it. So Nice. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that was a super lengthy, uh, what, the beginning of my walk. But that this was, is like the process, the process of you learning, growing, and all these missions. Yeah, becoming, and all the while... Um, Back to what I said before, mature Christians, they would just pray for me and lay their hands on me and pray for me. Immature Christians, they would puff me up, mm. just being honest. Like, dude, you have, and dude, God's given you something great. Because I was, uh, I had, since I was young, I've never been afraid of um, crowds. I mean, my adrenaline, I do have fear, but it doesn't feel like something I want to run from. It, just, it feels almost like I, could, I don't feel afraid when there's people in front mm -hmm. of me. So Satan can use that yeah. pride-wise. Um, yeah. And foolish, immature Christians would see that and think that, oh, this is an anointing, rather than just seeing that that's a, that's certain, certain human beings have more of that tendency than others. Um, and and Satan can definitely destroy a person with their pride, which is which is a big part of my story as to why God has has me where I'm at. 
you fast forward to those moments where I'm talking about where I'm knee deep in the mud and I'm looking up to the Lord and the Lord's like, you're, you're my son. Like, and I will discipline you accordingly. Mm. I will, I will not let you fall by the wayside of Satan's hands, be it through pride or what you think you're going to do or what you think somebody told you you're going to do. You're mine. Mm. And, and I'm the author of your life. That was our original agreement. I'm the author of your life and your life belongs to me. You think, what do you think, man? You think, you think that, you know, the story from beginning to end. You think that you're wrong. You don't know the story from beginning to end. Why? Because it's his authorship. Be cautious about telling people how this story is going to end. One of the most dangerous things I've seen Christians do, one of the most dangerous things I've seen anointed Christians do, is as soon as God closes the door and God starts doing something else, they will tell you the conclusion of that story. They'll be like, you know, I was doing this and the door closed on me, bro. But right now it's crazy because this door's opening and I see what God's going to, let me tell you what God's going to do, bro. He's going to do Stop right there, dude. I, I'm at the point right now where I think I'll stop the next person that starts saying that to me. Mm. I think I'll look at them and say, you know what? Hold your tongue, dude. Don't don't say what God, why God opened this door. You take it to the Lord, dude, and you pray and you ask him to show you what his plan is for your life. And then you be faithful to what he says mm. instead of your conclusion with what God's going to do. Because let me tell you, dude, a black eye... Because the enemy hates you, but you're God's man, that black eye feels good. But a black eye, because you went ahead of God and put yourself somewhere where God wasn't telling you that he was doing, and now you're standing there in embarrassment with your, with your eye all swollen, mm-hmm. that doesn't feel good, dude. That doesn't feel good. And let me tell you something. I've carried many of those, dude. And I'd much rather say, you know what, dude, like, I just want to be God's man. And when I talk to young guys, dude, I always tell them, dude, like, just remember you're God's man, dude. Just be God's man. Don't, don't let the world steal that from you. When, he, when you said that to him, when you told him, I give you my life, you became his and you're God's man. And whatever it is that's coming into your life or whatever it is that's going on, you just remember you don't belong to you. Because you gave ownership over to him. You're God's man. And those, those gifts and talents that he gave you, there's an amazing thing that he's going to do with that. But you got to let him do it, not tell everybody what he's going to do, you know? Mm. So, uh, You know, I, I had another question. As far as the, your development, your growing in this time, let's say the early seasons of your Christian walk, um, you seem a guy to be well-versed, not only with the Bible, but also with, theologians i've heard you quote them before um did you attend any kind of bible college or is there like do you think that's like a big deal like as far as like class um kind of attending those things just at from i i guess depends on who you're talking to um mm, but i think that most of the most of the the believers who who listen to this podcast and most like ninety percent of, of Christians are not in in full time ministry, um, but how do people know when they they need to be in the books or be going to school and stuff like that? Because I, I when I hear you talk, sometimes I'm like, where does he get that stuff? Like, did he go to school? What's going on? 
Uh, it's a good question, dude. Um, and uh, I'll share with you what I, what I believe to be true about that. Um, if you approach, the Bible says, first of all, that a wise man adds to his treasure. So this whole nonsense of like, I don't need, you know, it's just being God. Like, like you, that's a fool. Like, if you think that you can't learn from people and from things, you're a fool. Like, um, but I want to be careful about what I'm saying right now because um, if you approach um, teachers, be it of book or pastors or uh, conferences or retreats, if you approach that scenario in humility and that you want to grow, God will honor that and you will grow. Mm. Books, solid sermons, teachers, godly men to go have breakfast with, uh, retreats where there's like five different speakers and maybe one of them you never even heard teach and he just blows your mind. Um, you approach with a heart of humility to grow, God honors that you will grow. But you will never be molded as a vessel other than the hand of God himself. Like, as far as your calling and what God's going to do through your life, the only effectiveness will be what God is doing in that molding process. The danger in approaching other teachers, books, is when you think you're going to learn how to do it by watching them and by copying them. That's not the Lord. That's man. Mm. That's you idolizing men who you... And you, here's the sad thing, is when you saw their gift, you were idolizing the gift and not the one who made the gift. Mm. You were idolizing the creation and not the creator. You, you can't look at your favorite teacher and try to implement. It's not you. Yeah. I always try to enunciate as good as John Randall, but sometimes yeah. like every week Lisa uh, just laughs at me. Yeah. I, I always say show and um, there's no show sound in the, in the word. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you're right though. We, we should not be. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to just be as honest as I uh -huh. can. Um, I uh, am sometimes as amazed as the audience after a sermon like i literally have been like i didn't even know that before i taught it mm -hmm. like not the text but like certain like realizations from the text mm -hmm. and i and i want to be very specific never in the topics of creating doctrine or telling people that now God does things this way. None of that stuff, dude. That's mm -hmm. all dangerous ground. People just shooting from the hip with like coming up with, well, from now on, it seems like God's doing this now more. That's all. No, dude. But, but when you're within, within the context of the word and without compromising the character of God and without stepping outside of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit and you're just in tune with that, just being 100% honest, there's times when people have come up to me after teaching and they'll say, man, that was a really good sermon. And in the, my mind will be thinking that was kind of good. Or like, I, but not like 
Yeah, I know. More like, mm. I, I, I'm as surprised as you are. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, so that's what teaches me that it wasn't like because I be, have become so good at putting a study together. Um, that being said, as I've gotten older, I've become more and more dedicated to the study time and investing of one of the things that I 100% do now is I make myself accountable for every single verse in writing. So, um, as to protect myself and as to protect wrongly portraying the, the, the student or the person listening to me wrongly guiding them into thinking like, Oh, just you shooting from the hip. And just like, I, I am, I have become accountable for every single verse, um, at this chapter in my life, um, prayerfully and, and, and out of discipline, which is something that I feel like I've lacked a lot of my life and to discipline myself and to be faithful with the craft, the calling and all that is just to make myself accountable for every verse that I'm going to teach. And so to sit down and study it and write it out by hand, not to say there's anything wrong with typing because there's people that do it that way, but I write it out every verse, everything that God's showing me. And yet when I teach, I never write out, um, personal stories. I never write out jokes. I never write out, um, you know, illustrations. Um, I, I let those things come, but the text and the context and the doctrine and the scripture and the, and all those things, I make myself accountable for those things. And so I say all that to say, like, I don't believe that you can watch somebody and then mimic what they do. Because mm. now it's not a work of the Holy Spirit. And, and I remember Tim Hall, a good friend of mine, saying the most dangerous thing you could do in that scenario is accidentally be successful. Ooh. Where now all of a sudden you're just mocking, you're, you're, you're just m- mimicking, I should say, um, your favorite pastor. And you've got people believing that you're something that you're not because you're just, you're just regurgitating somebody else's gift yeah and now even more dangerous if you create a following after that now you have a bunch of people following somebody who who isn't even it's not even the lord he's just he's just regurgitating and mimicking other teachers um and so uh that's that balance like you want to read book i encourage you to read books i encourage you to listen to uh well obviously have your own pastor that you're growing and sitting under but even listening, you know, going to uh, retreats or, you know, what are the things that we put together sometimes where a bunch of guest speakers are going to be there? And conference. The conference. It just yeah. hit my mind. You know, sit in a conference and be blown away with God ministering to you. But don't go to those things to, to take note on how to teach. Yeah. Not, that's just me speaking, you know, like that's, mm. I don't, I think that's a dangerous thing for a young called person to do. Hmm. Wow, man, that's quite the, the development we've seen in Mike Sanchez. But let me, I, I, there's one more thing I did, I did want to ask. Um, <laughs> did you have any questions? Uh, yeah, yeah. Ask them, I, please. Dude, I'm this, sorry, I dude. mean, no, it's okay, dude. This is just me listening to the podcast. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we have a live <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. This camera. <laughs> hey, yeah, hi, guys. Camera. Let me say, yeah, we have, we have the interview, and then we have one audience yeah. member in the city. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. uh, one thing that stuck with me is the... Uh, with your testimony, dude, as a seven-year-old, you keep saying the king of kings, dude. Like, what kind of, like, I mean, you're seven. Like, Mm. why the king of kings? That's a good question, and there's a specific answer as to why. Um, 
every, like every, like every little kid you latch on to something right like you have the little kid who his birthday is his you know fifth birthday is themed spider-man or something right and you go in his or batman or whatever it is right you go in his room and you can see what his thing is and so it's it's all orchestrated by god in my personal life um and just me realizing that there's a true and living god watching us and knowing what we specifically need but i was obsessed with with kingdoms like swords horseback dragons knights that was my thing like as a kid i i from my earliest birthday up until i was about 13 which is dangerously corny (laughs) i wanted a sword like for my birthday like it started out as a little kid with little glowing ones and any kind of sword whatsoever and then they get a little older to i remember i had this one that was like glitter inside of it and it was like a full size one and then later on, the one that like looked kind of like metal, but was plastic and so that kids don't cut their hands off. But in the <laughs> 80s, there were some sketchy toys anyways, like the wood one that was pretty sharp, you know, and 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 so I was I was about that story, that illustration, like kings and knights and, you know, and, and, and in that you know, without going deep and getting corny, like in that is always the like the righteous, like the right and the evil right there's always like this like you know and a lot of it is very spiritual like in just in just the the way that that storyline is portrayed you know and um so sitting there and i'll I'll give you specifically the way a seven-year-old registers king of kings right and that's rawls up there and he's like the king of kings and lord of lords knows you and in my mind I thought of King Richard. I thought of, you know, these these things I've seen as a kid. And I thought the king of the kings, just like the way all the people and the knights are to that king, Jesus is like what their king is. So I didn't register it like, I think the way when you look it up, king of kings just means like, like, you know, above what a king is. Like he is of all the king. He's the greatest. But in the seven-year-old mind, it's like he's the king of the kings. Mm-hmm. Like that's like the highest, yeah. right? And so a seven-year-old hears that the king of the kings knows me by name, which tethers together with every, you know, night potential story of, of a king. You always see this, right? Like he rolls in in some normal like clothing, right? And he rolls, which is... I when you look at it right it's pretty iconic yeah. but he rolls into like the town where all the poor folk are and he's dressed like a poor folk and and there he is and he knocks a kid over or whatever and he squats down and he looks at him and he the kid sees that it's the king you know and this <laughs> that's the thing that's in my mm-hmm. head so you you picture that seven-year-old going there and then this man up here with all these people listening to him is like the king of all kings knows you by name has a plan for your life but it's your choice to give your life to him or not boom full register full understanding accepting that the king of kings is jesus christ like don't know where he is know he has a kingdom know he's the the authority above every authority knowing that he's the king of the kings and he knows me by name he knew who i was before i was born he's got a plan for my life and all i gotta do is give him my life and say from here on my life belongs to you king and i'll serve you all the days of my life where do you send me to be knighted, dude? And the doors open up and there's a guy standing up there. And that's where I went, dude. And and, and that's all I ever explained. Um, 
when I was asked. So yeah, seven year old, um, if, if parents are wondering, I don't know that we come up with a term called age of accountability. I understand that. I use that term, meaning that when a person understands whatever that age varies, right? Some kids are a little older and some kids are younger, but for me, seven years old, that's how the Lord ministered to me, knowing that he, knowing that I wouldn't have Christianity around me. He planted a seed that would starve out the, the enjoyment of sin. Mm. And, uh, and that caused me to, 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 to heed his voice later on. So that, that's that one. I, I remember, I remember one time Mike pulled some high school kids aside after a, a Wednesday night service. Cause Scott would tell him, Hey, um, the kids who come up for the altar call during the high school thing, can you just pull them aside and just talk to them? And I remember witnessing kind of being there um, and just hearing what Mike said to these kids. And when he said to the kids minister to me, I was like, dude. And he was like, throughout your life, you've lived under the Satan who's the king of darkness and God's given you an opportunity to come. He takes you into his kingdom. It's a beautiful kingdom. He takes you into his, his throne room, lets you sit at his table, and he just blesses you. And he tells you that he loves you and that he has a plan for you and that you're on his team and he's going to protect you and he's going to be there for you. And then he warns you and says but understand that there's another kingdom that's out there. And the king of that world of darkness wants to kill you and wants you to come back to his side. But understand you are now on my team and you fight for my army. And I was just like, dang, dude, like I've never thought of it that way. Like just of like the realness of like spiritual warfare and how we are God's servants. I'm all that's ministering to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> right? And that's always, I remember that's always stuck with me. And I've always, I've loved the analogies of, uh, I don't know, it reminds me of like King Arthur and stuff. Yeah, um, it's, <laughs> it's all tethered in there since I, I was a little, you know. Um, I do have one more question for you, Mike. And um, uh, as you've kind of been explaining your, your the lessons that God has been um, showing you, one thing that you, you, kind of expresses how you have surrendered that will to God. But I am just, I'm curious, and I want to hit you with the, the big question, I guess, is, and my question during the interview changed from, are you going to, to, do you have the desire for it? Because then it allows you to leave that space for God to do his work. But do you still have a desire uh, to start a church? I just have a desire to make sure that when I die, that, that definitely not for any fault of my own, did I miss out on something I could have done for him. Mm. Um, and I'm not trying to be elusive with that question by any means, but I just want to utilize my gift to its full ability to bring glory and honor to the Lord so that when I die, there wasn't something more I could have done for him. Um, I don't know what church will look like in the future. 
I don't think that God's going to reinvent the wheel. I want to be clear about that. But um, whatever he could do with this life for his glory is all I want, bro. And um, I certainly, because of the anointing, know that that will include teaching people the word. Mm. Um, and I mean that in a very classic way of a Bible study. Like, I'm not trying to look for a new, like, all I know how to do, all he taught me how to do is to open up the text. And and I want to be clear, like, he taught me how to do that. It was refined through other men and and, and sharpened, but he, but he taught me how to do that. Um, and so I have to keep doing what he taught me how to do. And so that's what I do. I, right now I teach, I teach my dad and I'm, I'm just going to be honest with what your question is. Like I will, I'm content with doing that for the rest of his life. Like I'm content doing that for the rest of my life. If it's not just my dad, if it's just like a handful of people, if that's, if that's all that the Lord needs of me, I'm down with that. I'm content with sitting down with guys like yourself and, talking to you I don't, I don't have like an agenda anymore only because my heart's broken bro like honestly like i i'm a i'm a god's broken me dude like i what do i know oh you when i'm gonna sit here and be like dude let me tell like after i just shared with you like well let me tell you what god's gonna do like what do i desire i desire to go crazy hard for the lord i desire to go so head over heels for the lord bro like all the way all the way to like millions of people's lives being changed like any cost dude like i want to serve the lord right but you know what dude like jesus did more than any man's ever gonna do and the best thing any man could do is just belong to jesus and uh yeah you what do i think god's gonna do i i just i think he's gonna use my life <laughs> What I hope he's gonna do, like I hope he, I hope he does the most he can with my life for his kingdom and his glory. And I hope that there's, I'll say it, dude. I, I hope that there's as much shaving off as there's been. I hope that there's that much, if not more, that there will be, dude. Like, I'm down. Like, Lord, you wanna, you wanna take me even, you know, deeper. Like, it's like when I first got in the, in the semi shallow water where my feet couldn't touch anymore. And I'm like, dang, this is deep water, you know? And then it gets dark and there's no sign of shore below you. And you're like, oh, I thought I was in deep water, Mm. you know? And then the freaking waves start coming and they're smashing over you. And you're like, oh, I see now. (laughs) I once thought, but I see now. And then next thing you know, you're out there, dude, and there's no shore in sight. And and now all of a sudden you're not even sure if you're even gonna just make it out of here. You're just gonna drown out here in the ocean. And then you start just saying, you know what, Lord, if there's anything in me that's not good, I'm gonna stand in front of you and just forgive me. And that's all you're thinking about. And I'm if I'm using that as an analogy, bro, that's the analogy, dude. Like, I just want to be uh forgiven and um loved by the lord and loving the lord and then utilizing my gift that's the one thing like the call of god's irrevocable so yeah you know i'll teach you want, lord you want me to teach teach anywhere you want me to teach 
because you taught me how to teach. But under the classic, you know, steps of how we start churches, like, okay, I'm going to pray about a location and then I'm going to go to that location and then um, then I'm going to begin doing a Bible study in that location and then I'm going to invite people. I'm going to go and evangelize the unsaved first, you know, and I'm going to bring them in and then I'm going to, you know, pray about a worship team and I'm going to be in fellowship with them. Like, honestly, I don't know. I don't know if that's the way God's going to do it. But utilizing my gift for his glory, I'm down with that to whatever degree he wants to do it. Wow. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for sharing that. That was uh, ministering to me, dude. Mike Sanchez, I love you, bro. Thank you for coming on for episode too, dude. 11. It's a privilege of mine to be doing this in this chapter. I dig it. I love this podcast. As you guys can see, like I love nothing more than sitting down and talking with people and listening to people. And so, yeah, to get to do that under a title podcast, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, stay tuned for uh, more podcasts coming up. I got some, um, me and Mike have been uh, talking and uh, we love uh, having conversations. We want to get uh, more people in the mix of, of what we're doing here. So uh, stay tuned. But um, Mike, I'm going to close it out with some prayer. Yeah, let's right? do it. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your love and grace. I lift up our brother Mike to you. I pray that you continue to give him that heart, Lord, that just is trusting you, that you're sovereign, that you have a a plan for his life, that the King of Kings knows him and has a plan for him, loves him. I pray, Father, that, that that fact would become more real, Lord, as he grows with you. Continue to bless Paulina. Continue to bless Ro. I pray, Father, that you put a hedge of protection around his family, Lord, and just bless his calling, bless his father. May he continue to learn as he's teaching, Lord God, his family. We love you, Lord. I, I thank you for Mike as a brother in our life, and we just pray that you just bless him in his ministry. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. That's a wrap. 